0: Quarterback decisions have been an issue in the Kirk Ferentz era. Why this decision may tarnish a legacy. A look back at the quarterback play from Spencer Petras after rewatching the game and a look towards Rivalry Week with Cyhawk, Hawk. All coming up on today's Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Trent Condon, and this is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day here on Labor Day as we get things started and uh, plenty to get into. Of course, if you missed the Instant Reaction podcast, you can go back, uh, tape that one shortly after Iowa finishes off the victory against South Dakota State 7-3. Plenty of content that came out of that one and certainly plenty of frustration along with it, but Getting ready to turn the page, but before that, we're going to take one more big final look back at things as I had a chance to re-watch the tape. We're going to get into that today. We'll talk about Iowa State and at least start to dip our toe into those waters just a little bit about we anticipate what we're going to see with the Cyclones. That's something still on my docket, and with the three-day weekend, I still got another day. Before I get to my full-time gig on the radio on KXNO, you can hear myself and Ken Miller, 10 to noon. On 106.3 uh, KXNO in Central Iowa and across the state of Iowa talking sports. Obviously, a huge matchup for us uh, with our proximity. I understand you know, the people in Eastern Iowa. I went to school to Iowa. I, I know the rivalry different then, than it is now. And I also understand it's different here in Des Moines than it is across the state. But it's a huge week, certainly for us. And we're going to break that thing down. And we'll talk more about Iowa State and here a little bit. But want to kick things off with to talk about what we're seeing right now with Kirk Ferentz, and it is such an odd circumstance with Kirk. So, when I taped the instant reaction podcast, I hadn't heard the uh, post game press conference at that point and had read through the transcript, it, and have had an opportunity now here over what I, I guess we're we're talking about the thirty six hours late or something, whatever it is at this point. Two things really jumped out to me. The quarterback question he knew was going to be asked and needed to be asked, and the beat guys, they did the right thing. They asked the questions, and they continued to press, press the questions, too. Look, I understand that there's some people out there that want media members and want the beat writers to ask the tough questions. The tough questions are asked. They really are. They're maybe not asked with the vitriol, the tenor that you want, but they are asked. They're also asked in a respectful way. This is a working relationship, right? You're not going to go up to a coworker. You're not going to go you know, up to a colleague and just dress them down time after time after time if something is frustrating. Look, if you're struggling with your TPC reports and, and you're going over there and you're talking to this guy time in and time out, maybe after a while, you'll dress them down. But it's a respectful relationship, and, and that's what we're getting at. The questions are asked, and the questions were asked once again. So two things jumped out to me, and and the biggest is there are three different questions about the quarterback spot, about what happened. Uh, there was a question about performance, what kept your faith in him. Um, there have been mistakes, uh, performance, at least he didn't put you in any bad situations. How much confidence do you have in Spencer? So three questions were asked. But in two of those responses, Kirk Ferentz said, Spencer has practiced well. The first one that was asked, this, this is how Kirk responds. First of all, when he's asked about the play of Spencer Petrus. I just think it's more multiple than one player. Spencer has practiced well. I thought he was doing a good job out there, but we didn't support him enough. I, I, I don't know what Kirk saw. He's not going to throw his players under the bus. This is not Steve Alford. Steve Alford was the king of throwing guys under the bus. Scott Frost, he has that title now in college football to our neighbors to the West. That's not Kirk Ferentz. I get it. He's not going to do that. He's not going to say that Spencer stunk, even though he did. He's not going to do that. That's not Kirk Ferentz. It's been 24 years. We know that's his style. We know that's not going to be the case. But the practice well, that stepped out to me. The third question that was asked, how much confidence do you have in Spencer moving forward? I still have a lot of confidence in him. This is Kirk Ferentz. I think the noise on the outside is probably a lot louder than it is inside. I have total confidence. He practices well. Second time he mentions practice. He's a great young guy will be better next week. Unquote. This is something we've talked about. Ladies and gentlemen out there, we have talked about this. I am sure he looks great in practice. We now have 20 plus games of game film to show that he's not good in games, though. That's not going to change. It's not going to change at this point. I know he practices well. It's not a surprise because he's wearing a red jersey because the bullets aren't flying because he can doesn't have to worry about stepping into his throws. He can do all these things, and I'm sure he looks just fine. And he probably looks better than Alex Padilla and Joey Labus and, and Carson May and whatever walk-on they have in there. I'm sure he looks better, but he doesn't look good in games, and that's not going to change. We have 20 games now of evidence. So what is it? And, and this really goes back even further than this. And one of the more confounding things going back to 2020. Now, I understand 2020 was a weird time, but before it got weird, think back to the end of the 2019 season. We see Nate Stanley depart after a decorated career where the frustrating moments there were, or there games that were left on the field. I think that game at Penn State, there were plenty of them. Like that team, they absolutely should have played In the three years of Nate Stanley, if not one Big Ten championship, I I think he can make a strong argument. they should have been in two Big Ten championships and they didn't get there. There'd be a dumb loss in there. There'd be a game where they stub their toe. But that aside, I'd pay a king's ransom right now for Nate Stanley to be in that quarterback room. Alas, he's not there. And I don't even know if he'd get a chance, even if he was. Because there's something about Spencer Peters. So he departs. There's a couple of guys on campus, and the two guys that are listed on the depth chart right now, and the job was handed to Spencer Petras. This was an heir apparent. This was not, we'll go through spring and we'll see. This was going to be his job from the get-go, something that rarely happens in the Kirk Ferentz era. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter. Go back to when Drew Tate, after Nate Chandler had his season, Tate was the backup sophomore year. It was still a competition. Jason Manson was fighting for that job. Arville Nelson was maybe in the mix. I don't remember who was, but it was not just handed to him. This job was handed to Spencer Petrus. It wasn't handed to Nate Stanley. It, it wasn't handed to Jake Rudock. It wasn't handed to Jake Christensen, even in Ricky Stanley, and on and on and on. It wasn't handed to these guys like it was here. So that's confounding in its own right. I don't know what it is about Spencer Petrus that has the Ferrans family by the short hairs. They can't see it. I don't understand. What they see with this guy that thinks this gives them the best chance to win. It just doesn't. And we have this. So that's a part of it that leads to a lot of frustration for me. He practices well. I get it. I'm sure he practices well, Kirk. That's not what this is about. It's a young man that is struggling. It's a young man that's struggling mentally and physically making the plays in the passing game. Now, my second part about this that I really do wonder about is ultimately whose decision is this? Because personnel, mostly it comes down to a coordinator, to a position coach. Those are the guys that ultimately are making the decision who's going to play. Quarterback's different, though. It's the most important position in sports. Is this a Kirk call? Is this a Brian call? Brian, obviously, now as the quarterback coach, along with the offensive coordinator duties, has a lot of say. He's even working more closely with the quarterback spot. But because it is quarterback, and we've seen in the past, Kirk struggle with quarterback decisions. Now, we can go down the road early in his tenure, Kyle McCann against Brad Banks. We know what Brad Banks turned out to be. I give him a pass on that one. Brad Banks, I think that first year, was not ready to be a full-time starter. He just wasn't. You talk to anybody that was there. I have a friend that was on that team. I'll tell you, from everything that I heard, 2002 was great. But in 2001, Brad Banks wasn't ready. But let's, let's leave that argument aside. Let's fast forward to seven years later and Jake Christensen. And the decision of Jake Christensen, who came in much ballyhooed, strong arm, lefty, could move around a little bit, though, didn't move around as much as maybe the bill of goods that we were sold, at least as, as him as a recruit. But he was a guy that, I mean, he felt maybe kind of like the same thing here, the hand picked successor to Drew Tate, he was going to be the guy, and it was going to be an easy handoff, and Iowa was going to be fine. We saw very quickly it wasn't fine, that he had his limitations, that he struggled. He had no touch on the ball. He would throw knuckleballs into the ground. He would chuck it. He would throw it hard. Not exactly know where it was going. And there was this backup that had his own warts and Ricky Stanzi, a guy that statistically was the guy that you can point to and say, oh, Iowa quarterbacks always regress. Ricky Stanzi didn't he was much better as a senior as a quarterback than he was as a sophomore and a junior the difference they don't win him the same amount of games that they did during that junior campaign but Ricky Stanzi is sitting there and it took a long time to get there in fact you could make the argument they had to lose a game at Pittsburgh in order for them ultimately to go with the right decision and then you get into Jake Rudock against CJ Beathard and again a kill for Jake Rudock right now. Okay, give me Jake get Jake Rudak in this room, coupled with this defense. Whew, you got something there. Uh, this team is not a lock, but they are far and away. I mean, the prohibitive favorite to win the Big Ten West this season, even with the difficult schedule that they have. You put Jake Rudak or a Jake Rudak type on this team, it's not even close. But for Iowa, even with his limitations, there was a guy more talented than C.J. Beathard. Now it took C.J. Beathard's father to basically tell the staff he is leaving unless he plays for it to happen, but that is the ultimate way that had to go. Kirk has struggled with this. He has struggled making the decision and when to pull the plug on a quarterback, and we're seeing it again right here. Is this a Kirk decision? Is this a Brian decision? And whosever decision it is, somebody's got to make a choice now. We will see what we hear this week about it, but it's scary. And it's scary because back then it was talking about Greg Davis, the former offensive coordinator before him, Ken O'Keefe, and there were a lot of arrows. But Ken O'Keefe, Greg Davis, they weren't related to Kirk. And that matters to a lot of people. As I said on the Instant Reaction podcast, i born on third, think he hit a triple. I thought about it. He's, he's not even on third, though financially Brian Ference is on third. And this is a guy that's sitting on first base or maybe the on-deck circle and thinking he'll hit a home run. Look at this offense. For the last five years, it has been putrid, absolutely deplorable, the worst of the worst. And here we are again, going down this route. It's where we are. I worry about the legacy. I love Kirk Ferrance. I respect him. I think he is not only a good coach, I think he's a good man. And that's what makes this so difficult. This is what makes these things at the end of a legacy. The end of Hayden, the way that that finished up, the disappointment in 97, then his final year in 98. And remember, watching that team as they're getting absolutely obliterated in what turned out to be his final game against Minnesota and just feeling so bad. And then ultimately, when you knew it was his last game, how bad you felt. But then how long it took to get the program back? Your coach right now, your coach at Minnesota, at Purdue, at Wisconsin, at Illinois, and you're going head-to-head with Iowa. A wide receiver, a running back, an offensive lineman, a quarterback, whoever it is, it's pretty easy. All right, first of all, the age. Is he going to be there for four or five years? Always something that is used against older coaches. Is that the system you want to play in? You want to go there? Is that the place that you want to go? It's pretty easy sell, right? And it could get bad in a hurry. You want to go play defense or Phil Parker? Absolutely. Sign me up, right? Well, you're going to have to win every game 7-3. to That's kind of where we're trending right now. And if this thing continues to go south and it continues to struggle and the wins don't come along with it. And Kirk, people remember at the end of his legacy, he decided to hitch his wagon to a quarterback and to his son as the offense coordinator. Legacy. It's a big word. There's going to be a statue of Kirk Ferentz. He's done a lot of great things. A lot of people are going to remember also how it finished. And the way that we're trending right now, even coming off a Big Ten West title, as crazy as it sounds, that's where we are right now. Overreaction? Hey, you can go there if you want. I was telling you, it's a scary, scary spot. I defended Kirk. I've been there. It's getting very difficult to defend his choice at the quarterback spot, right now. We continue on. We're going to take one final look back. So I went back tonight, uh, watched, rewatched the tape, and rewatched, well, the tape, rewatched the TV broadcast of the game against South Dakota State. You come in emotional. I think we were all emotional after the game. We were frustrated. Came in, peeled a little paint. Right, I, I was fired up. I was pissed off. I think you were too. So I went back. After a nice night with the family, Labor Day weekend, don't have to work tomorrow, feeling great, Watch a movie with the kids out on the deck, it was great, it was a great night. Put the kids to bed, hang out with the wife for a while, watch the end of a great game with LSU Florida State. All right, everyone's sleeping, We're, we're late night here. Go down to the man cave, as we're sitting right now, what do we do? Flip it on. I went back and watched every offensive snap from Iowa again. When we come back, I will tell you, unfortunately, it was worse than I thought. That's when we continue on the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you're depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Built Bar has done it again. Let me introduce you to the new favorite. It's cookie dough chunk puffs. They have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, covered in 100% real chocolate. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Plus, it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs only have 160 calories and 15 grams of protein in them. Go to built.com. Snag a box for you and the family. It'll be the perfect treat. Or you can find a really good hiding spot, order them all for yourself. Like all built bars, the new cookie dough chunk puff is covered in 100% real chocolate. That means they're healthy and tasty chocolate covered cookie dough with a light, fluffy texture. It is so good. You're going to love them. I do. We have them in my house, and they are excellent. Whether you need a snack for your workout, a late night treat, or just a quick bite you are covered with built bar cookie dough chunk puff. Built is a perfect protein bar and they taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, fat and sugar. Grab yourself a bit bar, built bar. And how about this? Go to built.com right now, use promo code lockedon15. You're going to get 15% off your order. Once again, that is lockedon15. Try kind of with you as we continue the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. Along with that, hey, if you're watching on YouTube, even if you're not, go to YouTube. Search Lockdown Hawkeyes. We're trying to get to a 1,000 subscribers on that YouTube page by the time we get to the Michigan game. That's the goal here. We're now inside of a month before the matchup against the Wolverines. We need to get there. Let's do it. I'm setting a goal. All you got to do is click it. Even if you are just an audio listener, that's what I am. Like, I'm a podcast guy. I love podcasts. Love listening to them as I'm driving around. So many different things. You can find exactly what you look for. But if you do that, that's fine. Just go to YouTube, Lockdown Hawkins. Just give me a subscribe if you're not watching it. It's all good. It's all good. We're happy with that. And if you are watching, make sure you watch a lot. We do appreciate that. All right. Let's uh, roll through here. And I mentioned I went back and I watched Every offensive snap from the game again. Yes, in a game where I will put up three points offensively. I'm that guy. I'm that guy. So let's run through it here. I really did think going back and watching it, I was going to walk away and say, all right, I overreacted at times. There are things that weren't as bad as I thought. I did get more upset because I was so fired up after the game on Saturday, but I was disappointed. What, what's the old thing? I'm not mad at you. I'm just disappointed. That's where I am with the Iowa offense after rewatching it uh, here earlier this evening. So let's take a look here and we're going to go through the 25 passes and a couple other plays uh, in the game from the Iowa offense. All right, here we go. Uh, starting things off. First drive of the game. Iowa, they want the football first. Hey, you got a chance to put that high-powered offense out on the field. Hey, We got John Budmeier now as the quarterback guru now your new quarterback coach and Brian Ferentz here we go here we go first pass of the day of the season second down and seven five yard out all right not too bad second waggle play a huge part of the Iowa offense that is where you give the hard fake to one side you pull out the other side and you throw the football. Usually, there's somebody dragging underneath, tight end, fullback, and there's a option deeper down the field. We don't see them hardly ever use that option down the field. Waggle, pass was high. Okay, third pass of the season. High snap, knocked down by an edge rusher. A little bit high, not not super high, but Petrus had to catch it and kind of at the face mask level. Hit by an edge rusher. Our Six-foot-five quarterback gets a pass knocked down. This is something we're going to see a lot. Fourth, he sacked. First read is covered. Looked right. Nothing there. Comes back left. He is hit. All right, so the offensive line struggled on that one. That's offensive line. That's not Spencer Peter. Second drive. Iowa gets the ball back after the bad punt at the 27-yard line. Fifth passing play or fourth passing play, I guess. Fifth play here on my list. Second down and eight. tight end screen, those tricky Hawkeyes to Laporta for two. Of course, that is the only touchdown, a tight end screen to Laporta back in the bowl game. The only touchdown Spencer Peters has thrown over the last eight games. Uh, Next pass play, badly overthrows Arlen Bruce on third down, uh, was looking up to the right side up towards the pylon and missed him by a good 20 feet. He was covered. There was nothing there. There was nobody else open. And that one ends in a missed field goal. Hawkeyes get the ball back. Third drive of the game. They're down in five after five straight running plays. It's an out route to San Laporta. Terrible throw. This is one where I, I kind of, this is when I started to see red. It was a terrible throw. The mechanics were terrible. He's thrown off his back foot. The ball floated on him. The ball's high. Bad mechanics. Look, he's got this quarterback guru, at least we're told, this Tony Ripiopi, and he's talking about we've passed left, uh, Chuck Wright. It's garbage. It's all garbage. Garbage in, garbage out, right? This guy, and the quarterback commit, Marco is also is with this guy. He's making the most simple things incredibly difficult. That's the last thing Spencer Petras needs, is to have a 1,000 words going through his head just trying to throw a simple slant route. And and here it is again, throwing off your back foot, terrible mechanics. It's just bad. Drives comes to an end. Fourth drive. They get the ball back. Great field position again at the South Dakota State 33-yard line. Started off with a waggle play on first down. Wide open. Six yards complete. All right. Get him on the move a little bit. That's all right. Next pass play. Third and five. Great play design. This is is one of Brian Ferentz's better play designs of the game. Had that screen pass. I think we all remember that. You fake it to the right, you come back to the left. Well, there's pressure there, and Petrus because of his limited athleticism, can't even get the ball out. Not only that, well, he gets the ball out, but he gets it out, I don't know, 10 yards over the running back's head? is a screen pass. Look, I get There's pressure. You're going to miss a screen pass. You're, you're going to miss easy throws over the course of a game. But this one is also coupled – with what we've talked about, his lack of athleticism and Spencer Petrus. this is what you're going to go. We continue. And thank you for staying with me. I understand if you want to fast forward through this one, and don't want to relive it. I, I completely get that. All right. So we got that. That was the fourth drive. Uh, oh, and, and the other part on, on that play, you know, the, uh, the commentator on the broadcast, he, he mentioned, you know, getting depth on that play. That's a great point too. On those plays where you're setting up a screen, you have to make sure you get depth. Well, i get back to the lack of athleticism. You can't get back quick enough to get any depth on that one because there is going to be pressure in your face because you do want pressure in your face because you want those defenders coming at you. That's the whole point of a screen pass. All right. Sorry. Fifth drive. Uh, let's see. Tenth pass play here. Great protection. Oh, yeah. They, they started things off at a, a big play action on this one, and it turns out to be a check down to LaShawn Williams. All right. It worked out well on a check down play. And I think they got eight, 10 yards, something like that. Uh, They go back to a waggle. Of course you get your tight end. Monty Pottenbaum involved for four yards. He fumbled it, got it back third and three. And this is the throw that is behind Laporta. So one thing we, we've talked about a few times here, as we're seeing Spencer Peaches, struggle with his mechanics, throwing off his back foot, not stepping into his throws. That's something that's been 20 games of this, but, Here's something that, that was different. This is a throw back behind Sam Laporta. Usually it's the floating and it's the bad mechanics. This time, it's just a lazy throw. He's got him wide open there, and he's late getting it out. That's another thing. He was late on so many of these throws, and that was a huge, huge problem. All right, we we continue to scroll through here. We're the sixth drive of the game, but still in the first half. It's still not pretty. Uh, oh, how about this one? Second and nine, uh, just dropped a shotgun snap. So now it's third and 19. Maybe the best. Second best throw of the day to Laporta. Wouldn't have been enough for a first down, but he gets 16 yards. So, okay. Uh, drop ball. They called it a catch on the field. That one was overturned. Seventh drive. Second to last one here. Uh, before we get to halftime, uh, 14th pass play overall, rolling out to the right. Eight yard start, a stop route to Arlen Bruce. Again, good design play. Easy. That's a huge part of the Iowa offense. Good throw on that one. Second and 10. Again, knocked down by a defensive tackle. That's, 6'5". You're getting balls knocked down. And if it was Alex Padilla, we'd have a little bit of more... Alright, he's 5'11". It's not the case with Spencer. He had one knocked down. Third and 10, and this was the worst throw of the day, of course. This is the interception. Pressure at his legs. Had Wick wide open a little bit earlier in the play. As Pause to uh liquidate the throw a little bit. Yeah, so it has Alec Wick coming across the formation. He's wide open. At like six yards, third and 10, a lot of depth there. He steps up, actually stands tall in the pocket. A little pressure comes on his feet, and this is not Ohio State, right? This is not Nate Stanley against the Buckeyes. With the guy draped on his legs, uh, this is something completely, it was just an awful, awful throw, awful decision on top of it. Interception, and we're tied up at three after South Dakota State gets the field goal. The final drive. Fifteen seconds left. to get it on a decent return out to the 32. Got all three timeouts. Let's so Kirk Barrett's. Let's go to halftime, tied up at three. Let's go to the second half, and uh, things go from uh, bad to uh, maybe even worse in the second half because this is also, I think, when the confidence is completely starting to fall away with the coaching staff at this point. Defense is going to get, of course, two safeties to take the lead and then to make it a well two score lead, I guess, more than a field goal lead, going up seven to three. But you'll see this play out. All right, first drive of the second half. Iowa gets the ball back uh, after getting a stop of South Dakota State. Now, right away, they run the ball. They run the ball. Third and seven. They're looking for... Beatrice is looking for Monty Potty, Mom. Your tight end. I'm basically a stop route, like, like a dig. Right at the first down, sticks. Here's one problem. He was double covered, and a guy cut in front and dropped an interception. So really, you're looking at two consecutive throws that should have been picked off. One was, and the second one was just dropped by the South Dakota State defense. And after that throw, you really wondered, all right, they're going to give him at least a drive to start the second half. This is the time, though. He threw an interception. His next throw, he should have thrown an interception. It was a drop ball. This has to be the time you bring in Alex Padilla. Tenth drive. Eighteenth play. Play action. Hit him in route. Sixteen yards. Great play there. Three-step yard, uh, three step drop on the next one. But again, another lazy throw. This is the one out to the sideline to Laporta, and he misses high on that one. Uh, short side wide receiver screen. That gets a yard on second and 15. Uh, play design was awful on that one. I will look terrible in these wide receiver and tight end screens that they did. And then a check down on third and 14 uh, to LaShawn. And, uh, and then I, yeah, picked up six yards on that one. Next drive. All right, let's go to the 11th drive of the day. Play action on first and 10 sacked looks at his first read looks over to a second and he is sacked didn't see the pressure coming up the right side uh, yeah, i mean you got to be able to see that pressure he obviously does not uh the next play 21st uh passing play of the day or or petra's play if you will second and 22 after that sack best throw of the day this is the one up the seam there's also the targeting uh arlen bruce Great throw. Mention the drop pass to Laporta up on the sideline. That would have been just shy of the first down. Probably the second best. This was the best pass. So just a, a simple seam right out of the slot guy. Hit him in stride. Beautiful throw. Got the targeting. Next play, they get it back to Arlen Bruce on the jet sweep. They're inside the 10. And then a fumble from LaShawn Williams. And pull back to South Dakota State. Uh, 12th drive of the day. Let's go here. First and 10. Five-step drop. Stumbled on his way back. That's another thing. Back to the athleticism. There's no pressure and a high throw. Next play, second and 10, complete to Lachey. Uh, the, that was the throw to, he was double covered and threw a rocket because he's got a strong arm and, and beat the double. T- One step, though, that ball's picked off also and just a terrible read. I mean, you just don't throw that to pick up four yards. He threw that to pick up four yards. Third and four under pressure and leaves it short to Arlen Bruce. And then from there, This is what happened. In fact, after that one, as Iowa had taken the lead at this point, they don't really let him do anything. Third and five after a couple of runs on the 13th drive, this is where you see Spencer Petras rolling out to the right side. Third and five need a first down. Maybe this consulted away, put it away. You just need that first down. And he slides. He was going to get rocked. I I get protecting yourself. I would have done the same. I'm also 42 years old, and I'm no Tom Brady. That's where we are. Is that something that inspires teammates, that inspires coaches, that leads you keeping your job? We've seen the other side. This is not Neanderthal, tough guy over here, Trent Conn, and that's not what I am. But that play said something. It said something. Next drive, third nine. This is the uh, wide-open pass to Alec Wick that he – uh, threw up the middle of the field too far. And then on the 15th drive, third and long, they had the draw play that actually worked for a first down. Beautiful play on that one. Third and six, also that drive. Again, a chance to salt this game away. Third and six, you throw it. No, fullback dive. That's where we are, folks. It was bad. It was really, really bad. I went back trying to bring a positive attitude, looking for some glimmers of hope. I came away more disappointed. We'll wrap things up. A quick peek forward to the week ahead. This is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. All right, final conversation here. Our first look at Iowa State. A 42-10 win uh, for them over Southeast Missouri State. Simu, terrible team, very young team this year. They moved the ball up and down the field couple of things. Iowa State only had, I think, 10 yards rushing in the first half of the game. That's a little bit of a wow. Are they going to be able to do it? Deckers, he's got a strong arm. He can move around. Got a great wide receiver in Xavier Hutchinson. They're going to score some points here. Again, I I don't see this being, what was the 9-6 special? What a decade back. I don't see it being something like that. I think it's going to be low scoring. But Iowa maybe has to score at least 17 to win this game. Can they? (laughs) I don't think they can with Spencer Petras. We'll put it that way. We're going to break down Iowa State a whole lot more here in the week ahead. We'll get things started uh, on Tuesday as we will be talking with our man, LaShawn Daniels. We'll talk to LaShawn, obviously, about everything happening, what he saw, what can be there, what did I miss. He knows football a whole lot better than than I certainly do. He knows the X's and L's of the game a whole lot more what i was trying to do what they can accomplish and what can get better uh that'll be coming up on tuesday jace will be by later in the week in fact we might be together uh for a podcast this week we'll keep an eye out on that one and then on friday it'll be our final wrap up and our preview for the iowa iowa state matchup we're with you each and every day here with the Lockdown. Hawkeyes podcast. I want to say thank you again for making lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day for your second. Listen, go check out the ultimate pro football preview. We're getting close to the NFL season. It's an eight episode extravaganza. That's going to get you ready for that NFL season. Local team of experts on the lockdown network. Plus, a betting angle from Lee Sterling of Lockdown Bets. I've had Lee Sterling on my radio programs now for over a decade. Love Lee and gives a great insight if you're into the wagering side of things. One big ultimate NFL preview. Search for Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. That will do it again. Hit that subscribe button if you can on YouTube. Help us out there as we try to get to 1000 By the Michigan game, I'd love to fly past that. Sorry it wasn't pretty today. I'm sorry. Maybe some of my frustrations continue to seep in. Maybe LaShawn can talk me off the edge. We will see. I'll tell you, though, uh, missed a a home game, a home opener for, I believe, only the second time in the last quarter century uh, this past weekend. And had some FOMO. Uh, Missed out on on being there at Kinnick Stadium. and, And because of that, very excited to get back. Am I frustrated? Yeah i am i I get a little too upset, sure, but ultimately, like you, I'm a hawk guy forty two years, I root for him, even as mad as I get, even as frustrated as I get, I'll be there cheering on the team, I'll be there, and hopefully bringing home a victory, we'll see. Big week in front of us. Thanks for joining me here on a Labor Day. Have a great Labor Day. Hope you got the day off. You're out of the beach doing something fun here today, and we'll be back with you on Tuesday. Once again, I'm Trent Cotter. This is the Locked On Hawkeyes Podcast.